0: Welcome to session 28 of the Bible in a Year Commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 28th of January. Today we'll be looking at Exodus 32 to 34 and Psalm 28. So far in Exodus, we've followed Israel's journey from slavery in Egypt to meeting God at Sinai. The Israelites, while initially welcomed in Egypt, found themselves oppressed. Raised in Pharaoh's palace, Moses ended up killing an Egyptian, forcing him into exile before returning, charged by God to rescue his people. A series of plagues unfolded, each targeting a different Egyptian deity, culminating in the Passover. The people left Egypt freed by their God. Upon reaching Sinai, we read God started a new covenant with the people and provided them with guidance on how to live. Then came the designs for the tabernacle. This included the tent itself, the furniture to go in and outside of the tent, instructions for the priests serving in the tabernacle, and anything else needed to make the tabernacle run a tax was introduced to maintain the tabernacle and skilled men were chosen to put everything together everything is in place to start the construction of the tabernacle so let's jump in with today's reading exodus 32 34 we've had these incredible passages of god describing to the israelites how to rebuild heaven on earth at this point we could be tempted to start thinking it's all going to be good from here because people are free And they are once again able to enjoy his presence like adam and eve in the garden except moses has been up on the mountain getting these instructions for building the tabernacle and apparently it's been some time the people became worried that something might have happened to him and they would have no way of knowing so the people ask aaron to make them gods so they can speak to these gods and find out what to do next unfortunately aaron puts up no resistance collects all their gold and turns it into a golden calf, and the people begin to worship it. In this moment, we see how quickly and how far the people fall away from God. In Exodus 32, verse 6, it says that after this, they sat down to eat and drink and then rose up to play. To rise up to play is another Hebrew euphemism for sex. In short, people that God had just rescued from slavery and created a fresh covenant relationship with are worshipping other gods and giving themselves over to orgies. God tells Moses that he is so angry he's going to destroy the people and start again with him. Twice, we seem to get Moses changing the mind of God. The first time is at this point to stop God from destroying the people, and then the second time is later when God says his presence will no longer go with the people. We had a similar discussion when we looked at Abraham, seemingly changing God's mind back in Genesis 18. Back then, we saw Abraham remind God of his character. Here, we see Moses do the same. When God is threatening to destroy the Israelites, Moses pointed out that he wouldn't seem like a powerful God if he led the people out of Egypt, but can't lead them into the promised land and just destroys them instead. He also reminds God that he made a promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. In other words, he was saying to God that destroying the Israelites would, one, dishonor his reputation when God is an honorable God, and two, in other words, he was saying to God that destroying the in other words, he's saying to God that destroying the Israelites would one dishonor his reputation when God is an honorable God, and two, break his promise when God doesn't break his promises. Moses reminds God of his character, and God decides not to destroy the people. Remember, though, just as it was with Abraham, God never forgot his character. It was a test to see if Moses knew him well enough to remember his character. So Moses goes down and sees the chaos. He calls for aid and all those from the tribe of Levi come to him. He then commands them to start killing people, which they do, until the people stop this awful behaviour. This may seem barbaric now, but these were barbaric times. 3,000 people died the day the law came down. Moses then goes back to the mountain and challenges God's decision to no longer go with him, just as he did when God threatened to destroy them. This time, Moses appeals to the fact that God has called them to be a holy people, which they can't be if he isn't present with them as we've seen through the psalms so far one of the most important things to those close to god is his presence to be removed from god's presence is one of the worst things that could happen and so afterwards moses makes new tablets god renews his covenants to the people by giving us a quick reminder of all that's in it within this passage we get an important description of god the lord the lord a god merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands of forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's Exodus 34 verses 6 to 7. This description comes up again and again throughout the Bible, and so it's worth a study in itself. The summary of this is that God is faithful to his people. It takes him a long time to get angry, and while he's committed to punishing sin, His commitment to love, mercy, and forgiveness is greater. Finally, we get an interesting little description of how now Moses is so close to God, his face would shine after he'd been in God's presence. Let's jump into Psalm 28. This psalm fits into the category of lament psalm. There's a possibility that it was a prayer of a king, potentially King David, as they're going through threats to their life. We'll see this at the end of the psalm. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see this properly for yourself. So we have... Verses one to two, a prayer for help. Verses three to five, a prayer for the wicked to be punished. Verses six to eight, a declaration of trust in God. And then verse nine, a final request. And this lament psalm launches straight into asking God to intervene. The psalmist asks God to not ignore them, to not be deaf or silent to their troubles, because without God, they will continue to fade. The psalmist points out that they have been crying out to God and seeking him in his sanctuary. They have been faithful in seeking for God's help, not trying to do it in their own strength. And then comes the second request. Punish the wicked. The psalmist clearly has enemies who are causing trouble, and so he asks God to give them what they deserve. These are people who pretend to want the best for others, but who only care about themselves. They do not care about God. Having made his requests, the psalmist declares their trust in God. God does hear. He is the strength and shield of his people. And then it mentions that God is the saving refuge of his anointed. Psalm 28 verse. This is the little clue that the psalmist is a king, as kings were often referred to as God's anointed. And could want more in their confidence in God, the psalmist ends with one last request. May he save his people like a shepherd who carries his sheep.